Hey, 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 welcome to another Pastor Duke podcast coming to you from Rock Hill, South Carolina. And uh, I have a blessing for you today. Oh my goodness, it's been a busy time for the Duke Meister. Two weeks ago, I was in northern Michigan preaching at a hippie festival. It was awesome. And uh, two days ago, I was preaching a funeral in southern Florida from one end of the country in the north to the other end in just two weeks. Put a lot of miles on the car, but it is a joy to be up to my neck in the work of God and podcasting is probably the favorite thing I do now. Preaching is one and done. Podcasting is one and never done 24-7 for free anywhere in the world. And today I want to share with you something that's giant in my heart, especially as I get older. Coined a thought uh, just a year or so ago, young men dream, old men reflect. In our text today, Second. Samuel chapter 23, David is old. These be the last words of David. He is doing major reflections. He talks about uh, his call. He talks about the servant of the Lord. He must practice what he preaches in those early verses. In humility, he says, uh, it has not always been so with me and with my family. He's conceding his own sin with Bathsheba and the tragedy that personally brought upon his family. But he found God was faithful, even with all of his mistakes. David made it uh, into the hall of fame of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He was called before and after a man after God's own heart. His favorite part of that chapter, when he begins to open up his hall of fame of faith, called These Be the Mighty Men of David. Well, like David, uh, I'm in the final part of my journey, and I have reflections as well. And I'm going to do today exactly the same thing that David did in 2 Samuel chapter 23. He's surveying those mighty men that came alongside him. None of them came alongside him when he was on the top. All of them came alongside him when he was on the bottom. He began to uh, introduce them. Uh, talks about a dino and the amazing things that he did and facing other giants and lions and Eleazar and Shammah, Benaiah, Abishai, on and on it goes as he gives the specific exploits. But you notice he's reflecting upon them. There's some things about these guys uh, as a whole that I think are very important because you and I, uh, especially I'm speaking to the heart of young men, you're going to get tested before God trusts you with a whole lot of responsibility in the advancement of his kingdom. Also comes to my mind is I'm beginning this, that all of our successes, David's reviewing his successes, but they're really the result of the investment that God and others have made in us. And these are the men that had made that huge investment uh, with David and for David. You see, when he was on the bottom in exile, being chased around uh, by King Saul, falsely accused, a vagabond, flitting around the backside of the Judean wilderness just trying to escape uh, Saul's death threats, it was there that these men found him. They, too, 
had faced misfortune in their lives. You know, they say misery loves company. Well, these had misfortune come, but these were not evil men. These were broken men. These were men that had huge disappointments, uh, uh, debts that they couldn't pay, and they were forced, uh, many of them, into exile, kind of like David. And so uh, uh, these are a group of people that a lot of people might not want anything to do with, kind of like maybe jail ministry. (laughs) Uh, for a pastor or going down to the city mission. These are people that were kind of cast offs of society. But out of that, out of that time of misfortune, that time on the bottom, these people had heard about David. They believed in David. They found David in the wilderness. They made affinity with him and joined his band of mighty men. Now, when they joined, they weren't a band of mighty men. They were in those days kind of a motley crew would be a better uh, explanation for who they were. But these were men that, like David, had suffered much misfortune, and they joined affinity to him. David would look back now as an old man and think, boy, without these guys, I wouldn't be uh, what I am today. Uh, I may have inspired them, as they all bragged on David. David, without you, we'd be nothing. David looks at them and said, hey, Okay, maybe that's true. I'm glad you feel that way. But without you guys, I would be nothing. You guys have made me out to be the success that others say that is mine. It's the investment you guys made in me. And and, uh, he's trying to pour that truth out. He's lifting up others, acknowledging what God did in others. See, that teaches us about David's heart. He didn't try to be the Superman, even though he was when the giant came tumbling down, even though he was when victory after victory after victory over their enemies uh, uh, ensued through him. But he always tried to uh, kind of reflect that glory. He wanted all glory to go to God, and he was acknowledging the great work that God had done in his mighty men. It was their faith and their fruitfulness that allowed them to experience the same power of God upon their lives as they faced uh, insurmountable odds in their military conquest alongside of David. He's giving credit where credit is due. Uh, He looks at them and says, man, we accomplished together what I could never do on my own. And a lot of the nation wants to give me credit for all these things, but I know in my heart and you know that it was God that did it through you, um, perhaps under my leadership, perhaps I inspired you, but man, I love you guys. And this is just a beautiful presentation that he gives at the end of his life, reflecting on these amazing guys. They identified with David uh, when it could cost them greatly. David was in exile uh, to be affiliated with David, brought the wrath of King Saul upon them as uh, conspirators to uh, help and abate, uh, abate David. Uh, they had grown to a band of about 400, but they were facing Saul's army of 40,000 people. But they gladly did it because they had a consciousness of God. They had their eyes on the Lord. They had their hand on the plow. They were willing to do and ready to do the next right thing. They were boldly politically correct in their affiliation with David. We see uh, from the studies of the book of First and Second Samuel, these men were correctable. Uh, they had won a victory, taken many of the spoils from that battle victory. 
along the way. About half the group was so exhausted they couldn't uh, participate in the final part of the mop-up and the collecting of all the spoils from that victory. And they were going to hoard it all to themselves. And David got in their face and said, no, uh, <laughs> if it hadn't been for the help that came from those other 200 men, we'd have never been in position to, to win the victory in the first place. And so they were wrong. David was right. And they listened to him. They kept rank. They followed instructions. They were correctable. Are you listening? These are character qualities that need to be in all of us. And David saw these character qualities, and he's bragging on these guys. You know, if we are faithful over little things, God will make us ruler over much. And he's kind of pointing out some of the amazing character that these guys had, not just courage and uh, boldness and great uh, military exploits, but, man, it was what was in their heart that made them great. Uh, they were tested sorely at Ziklag when all seemed to be lost. Their wives, their family gone, all their riches destroyed. They walk, come back from being willing to assist the Philistines in battle. They were rejected uh, by the kings of the Philistines. While they were away, the Amalekites had come and uh, besieged Ziklag, burnt the city to the ground, and their first impression is they had lost all, and they were tested. They even spoke shortly for uh, to consider um, stoning David to death, and uh, their faith wavered there for a moment, but David encouraged himself and the Lord his God, and they fell by wreck right back in line. They went after the Amalekites, uh, found them, conquered them, and uh, not only did they regain everything they lost, they also got the spoils from Amalekites who had raided and marauded other villages as well. And so uh, God turned their sorrows into joy. He turned their ashes into beauty, and they were witnessing the mighty hand of God upon them as they followed the leadership of David. I think I need to say that again because I'm going to switch gears here in just a moment. They were experiencing the hand of God upon them as they fell in line and followed the leadership of David. They knew he was uh, anointed to be the next king uh, of Israel. They just didn't know when that would happen. They didn't know how that would happen. It was very confusing for them. But they knew what Samuel had done uh, when David was just a kid, and they believed in it, and they just they just did the next right thing. That's what always leads to greatness. That's what must be foundational if greatness is ever to come. Just doing and being willing to do the next right thing, even though in the moment it seems so little. But when we're faithful doing the little things, boy, you'll find out in time what God has up his sleeve. David was not afraid to empower others. Oh, my goodness, this is huge. We're going to make application to ministry here in just a moment, especially for you younger men, uh, pastors that are already uh, in the pastoral role. David was not afraid to empower others. He celebrated others' victories. He was not jealous. He did not need to get all the personal glory. He deflected it. He he didn't want people singing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. David was just a man, a, a real man, a, a man of valor, and he exemplified it for these men, and they saw it in him. They believed in the same God he had. They learned those 
basic principles of the spiritual disciplines. Read God's word every day and you grow, grow, grow. And so these were the mighty men of David. He brags on them. Now I'm going to switch gears because uh, I was a young man and I dreamed. I dreamed coming uh, down the highway from uh, west southwest Missouri to north East New York, uh, not knowing even exactly where we would land, just somewhere in the state of New York. I believed by faith there were people in New York that already loved us. See, love is eternal, right? There's people that we loved we haven't seen in a year or two. We get back together with them. We pick up right where we left off. That's because love is eternal, has no end. But think about it. If love is eternal, has no end, and we experience that all the time as we reconnect with loved ones, but there's another side to eternity, eternity uh, past, eternity future. Uh, I, see, I believe I've always loved my wife, Joelle, and I just didn't meet her until June of 1976. And uh, so I, I believe that there's people ahead of us that we love. We just haven't met them yet. And I mean, that's real to me. So we're driving down the highway heading to the northeast to plant a church hopefully, which would plant other churches. And that's exactly what God did. But there would be people awaiting us in New York that I think in the providence of God, they already love us and we already love them. It's just that we must be in the place God wants us to be and uh, to, to divinely connect us where that love that's always been will kick in. Maybe that goes a little bit uh, more with philosophy than biblicism, but I, I think it's biblical, so just leave me alone let me live that way because I like the way that feels. I like, I like the way it sounds, and I think I've lived it out. So we get to New York. We have nothing, bivocational, no financial support. Got to get a couple jobs, driving school bus, uh, mornings and afternoons, uh, working nights at UPS from 1030 p.m. to uh, 2.30 a.m., but you see, those jobs was my visitation. I'm connecting with people along the way, witnessing, what what are you doing in New York? Oh, I'm going to start a church. Well, why are you working at UPS if you're a pastor? And I explained to them that we're independent, not part of the denomination, uh, and the Apostle Paul was bivocational. So I explained all that to them biblically. Win their hearts. They'd see my work ethic and say, wow, you're a good worker. And, you know, that, that kind of wins the hearts of men when you can come alongside, work harder than they do, win their favor, share the gospel with them one by one. God began to add to our numbers. Now, I'm old, I'm looking back like David did, and I'm reflecting on uh, my ministry, and you know what God did for me? He did the same thing for me that he did for David. So if I was going to title this last half of my podcast today, I'd call it, These Be the Mighty Men of of Duke. <laughs> These are guys that God put in my life. Boy, it started out immediately. I was praying for a Timothy, a young man that, that I could train for the ministry, a young man that I could take with me and do visitation. My wife was pregnant and soon to have a brand new baby, and I knew she wouldn't be able to go out with me, and God answered my prayer. It's like the second week I'm in town, I knock on a, a mobile home door. A young man uh, came to the door 
starting a church. I don't go to church. I ought to go to church. Where's your church? I'll go in the basement of a bank. He said, I'll come. And he did. <laughs> I was shocked. His name was Bill Blake. And to this day, he's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And he came alongside me just like I prayed, just like I dreamed. And God gave me right from the start, a mighty man. He was only, uh, I think not quite 16 years old, but he looked like he was about 20, big, strong kid. And, uh, took his driver's license test in my car, taught him how to drive. Love you, Billy. And, uh, but only for eternity, of course. So God began to bring mighty men uh, across my path. A guy from UPS uh, at the end of the truck, Tom Horn, says, Hey, I, I heard you're a preacher. Yes, sir. I thought he was going to mock me. He said, What do you preach? I said, The Bible. And then, What's the Bible say? And I found out this guy wasn't mocking me at all. He was open. He was listening. Sat with me at break. I shared the gospel with him. Long story short, next Sunday, he's in my church. Uh, a month later, he's on his knees. Uh, a year later, his father is dying. I got the privilege of leading his father to the Lord and the family. There were, uh, there were 13 children. I believe there were 11 sons. And I met uh, one of the sons came back from California, John Horn, Pastor John, we'd call him today, Pastor John Horn. God called John to preach. Uh, an Italian fellow came to my church, Larry DeNovo. You've heard him on several of my podcasts. He got saved in our ministry. Immediately, God gave me a clump of preacher boys, Billy and John. Another guy from UPS uh, had come to me at break and said, I'm going to be baptized Mormon Sunday. Is that cool? I'm like, no, that's not cool. And so let's talk. And we went out after work at a local restaurant from about 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. Didn't get a lot of sleep that day. And uh, long story short, he did not get baptized that Sunday. He came to Temple Baptist Church. A month later, he, <laughs> a week later, he got saved. And a month later, he got baptized at Temple Baptist Church in our pond. And today, he's Pastor Don McGrath and uh, serves the Lord in Western Massachusetts. He's got children in the ministry today. God was surrounding me with my own group of uh, mighty men. I'm still working nights at UPS. I'm still driving school bus. I'm not hardly making any money in the ministry yet, but God is bringing mighty men and others that were not going directly into ministry, but godly men. Wally Snyder, we, our church met in his living room. He said, uh, I, I mean, we were dreaming to start a church. We were sitting in his living room. He said, well, if you come and start a church, uh, I'll come to visit. And he did. He's still there uh, 45 years later, was my treasure for 22 years when the church had grown to where uh, I could, they could afford to pay me each, each week. Uh, Wally signed my paychecks, a mighty man alongside us, Carl Trowbridge. I could tell you the Carl Trowbridge story, Al Tollison, um, uh, an engineer at uh, General Electric, uh, began to teach Sunday school. His son today is the mayor, or we would say town supervisor of our town. Al and his wife, Marie led our grief share program year after year and brought people to Christ. God brought in Jim Butler, Bob Cody, um, uh, Rich Paulson, uh, uh, businessmen, uh, successful men in the community came to faith in Jesus Christ, had their hand, hands on the plow, had their nose in the book, the word of God, and he began to surround me with good men who loved God, who loved me. He brought in uh, uh, some older seasoned men who had ministry under their belts. Uh, Claude Hine had pastored for a while, had launched a Christian school, 
Chick Hartwell had been in pastoral ministry uh, for a number of years. Dave Bernard, the greatest layman I'd, I've ever met, able to handle the Word of God, teach and preach. These were seasoned men of God, uh, old enough to be my fathers, and they came alongside me as a young man as Aaron and her held up Moses's hands. These men held up my hands, and without them, I look back and say, yes, oh, it was a great run. Yes, we bought lands. Yes, God did miraculous provision, built buildings, and but it was people that got saved. It's lives that were changed. It was marriages that were restored. It was children uh, who were brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord is sitting in those chairs hearing the word of God from our pulpit. God touched the hearts of young men, called them into the ministry. I mentioned that early crowd of preachers, barely, we weren't even three years old. We weren't even into our own building yet. And yet we had four young men preparing their lives for ministry. And it, it, George Wereskla uh, came alongside. He was newly saved and him and Pam came and said, how long have you going to be here for? I said, as long as I live, I, I guess I lied to him. I, I promised 40 years and out. I did 45 years and out. But uh, George became our associate pastor. He walked with God, brought people to Christ, was a mighty man among us. He's the guy that uh, had advanced diabetes, and he was losing body parts along the way, first his fingertips, his toes. Ultimately, both legs went blind, and kids would say, uh, George, where's your leg? He'd w pretend to be a, a beggar in some of our uh, Christian productions that we did, and <laughs> kids would say... <laughs> Uh, George, where's your leg? And he said, it's already in heaven. I'm going to heaven on the installment plan. This guy rocked it for Jesus for years in our ministry. Thank you, George and Pam. Love you forever. God just brought these mighty people along uh, our uh, our path and into into the ministry of Temple Baptist. There were rising stars among us. Larry Radliff got saved off of a bar stool in Cohoes, New York. Tim Sheehan, also a town drunk in Stillwater. God saved these guys, and they lit it up. They they're on fire for God to this day. Uh, Larry teaches a senior class that uh, I gave up when we moved south. He he took over for me. We had uh, missionary rise up from among us and need a Mirabile to the Salvation Army. Tony Kadachi, little uh, handicapped gal, cerebral palsy, about four foot ten, maybe a hundred pounds. Uh, the doctors told her she couldn't do this, she couldn't do that, but she didn't listen, got her master's degree in education from Georgia Tech and uh, went on to be a missionary to Haiti with uh, new tribes and now she's married. They said she could never have children. They lied, I guess. She's got two beautiful boys. Her and her husband, Tim, served with Wycliffe Bible translators in the Sudan, translating the Bible into tribal languages for the, the nomadic tribes in southern Sudan, one of the hottest areas of the world where they live without air conditioning, one of the most dangerous uh, parts of the world of Islamic radicals in that area. And a lot of times Christians uh, are just come up missing, but they don't care. They serve the Lord fearlessly. Sharon Waters was only with us about a year, got on fire and went to Bible school, became a missionary to Africa. She uh, died young. She's in heaven. She'll be there waiting for
praying for us. We had church planters rise up from among us. Larry DeNovo went out and started church. Pastor John went out. Scott and Jen Baldwin uh, uh, knew I was a church planter, came alongside and said, we want to uh, come to your church for a couple years. They drove 46 miles faithfully every service for two years, mentored them a little bit, gave them a little bit of financial help and a lot of encouragement. They went out and planted one of the fabulous, uh, growing, strong church plants uh, out of our church there in Amsterdam, New York. Clyde and Lori McCaskill came to us, also graduates of uh, Baptist Bible College. Clyde called, said, if there was another one of you, where would he go? And I had a Bible study group where 19 people had gotten saved up in Greenwich, New York. I took Clyde to that Bible study, and they said, if you'll come and start a church here, we'll be with you. And he did, and that is today the Hoosick Valley Community Church that runs like 300 people, lighting it up in a small town and upstate state new york so proud of you clyde and laurie so proud of you scott and jen baldwin love you uh, forever and then my uh, podcast <laughs> partner john and sherry uh, john called and said we're god's called us to new york can you show us around and we did and we had a handful of people that we introduced them to and they came to new york and started connecting point church and and today that's one a strong church on the east side of the river where the demons are stronger and john will be editing this text pastor john i love you man and god just brought these people to us and joined affinity with us and they made the same sacrifices that we did and and the Westfalls went out and the McCaskills went out and the Baldwins uh, went out uh, with a, a little bit of financial help from us and a lot of encouragement and a lot of love and we get to kind of call them our baby churches how cool is that we had three RPI students Rensselaer Polytech Institute which is about 10 miles from our campus uh, we had three uh, students there Jim Crone and uh, James and Steve got saved and grown in the Lord at RPI, dropped out of RPI, broke their parents' heart, went off to Bible college and went off into ministry. Jim and Andrea Crone today are in Western New York doing pastoral work. Ken Lee came to us uh, uh, as, as we were just barely uh, into our original building and he brought a lot of credibility. He had a Bible college education. He came on staff with us, led our music, led our choir, was associate pastor, Bible teacher in our church today. His son, Tim Lee, missionary, I think he's gone uh, to uh, I think Singapore, something like that. And uh, Tommy Lee's a missionary. His son, Tim Lee, is associate pastor in Indiana. We had Joe Russo get saved in our church. And Cindy, today Joe Russo is one of the uh, teaching elders at in Midland, Texas, a, a mega church. He speaks to thousands and thousands of people in a rotation with the group. He's been uh, kind of on the pastoral team there for about 20 years. His son, Jake Russo, associate pastor there in the same church in Midland, Texas. And a wave of leaders just can continue to arise among us and go out. Uh, uh, Nicole and Christy Baker, uh, twins, uh, daughters of a single mom who came to our church uh, in, uh, <laughs> under the level of poverty, and they got rich in Jesus Christ. The girls went off to Bible college, met great men of God, married, have beautiful families to today. They serve in uh, upstart churches, a church planting movement in Boston, uh, uh, affiliated with Boston Baptist College originally. And uh, they just continue. Josh Baker, again, a child of a single mom, gets saved, walks with the Lord. He's had every obstacle, every heartbreak, every thing that could go wrong in a person's life. But as a child, he didn't care. He kept his eyes on the Lord. He did the next right thing, went off to Bible college. Today's on staff at the uh, 
in Liberty uh, University, the Thomas Road Baptist Church. Uh, as I had smoked pot in our parking lot at Cook Road Baptist Church before I got saved, we had a, a young man that used to drive into our parking lot, and I'd find beer cans behind our church and <laughs> and uh, uh, marijuana paraphernalia laying around. There was a guy smoking pot in our church parking lot, just like I did for 30 years before. And God, in the providence of God, he worked with a guy, invited him out to church. Guess what? It was the same church he smoked pot in our parking lot. And God saved Greg Ballard, called him into ministry. He's a campus pastor. He's a life coach today, I think, in, in Virginia. And so just wave after wave of amazing people rose up among us. The the mighty men that David had, I had a, all these mighty men, and I mess, I'm leaving some out. God, forgive me. I don't have time to put it all on a podcast. But can you tell I love these people? Can you tell it's exciting? And then I could tell you of Shell and Annalie Johnson from Sweden who came uh, to America to party for a one-year job assignment. And uh, they came to faith in Jesus Christ. They have not been full-time in ministry by way of drawing a salary, but they've been full-time missionaries, as it were, in Sweden and have outreaches to the Ukraine. And their hearts break with the tragedies that go on with the Ukrainian war, even as we speak, but they were influential in helping rebirth churches in Sweden. Oh my goodness. Thank you, God, for sending these mighty men and women into our lives. I am a rich man. Oh yes. I want to close out with a reality check. We have had some disappointments. Not all of our church plants were successful. We had guys go for a little while and um, just didn't have what it, it took, didn't, weren't willing to make the sacrifice. Some just didn't have the gifts that a man would need in order to, to launch a church. It didn't have the catalytic dimension that you need to bring people together. And so we had church plants that failed. We had heartaches along the way. One of our uh, church plants, the, the pastor apostatized. He turned away from the strong doctrine of the scriptures. He built his ministry on lies about <laughs> about their history. Uh, he had uh, about six local churches put a total of between four and 500 tithing people in his church, and he lied about it on the World Wide Web. And uh, people knew he was a fraud and a fake from the beginning. He hung in there, and uh, he's made a fool of himself. He's broken the hearts of lots of people, broke my heart. But you know what? The, <laughs> That doesn't make Jesus a bad guy. Don't let people mess you up about God. Let God straighten you out about people. Our church was brokenhearted over the lies that he told. Our our church was brokenhearted that we had invested so much money, uh, uh, $165,000 up front, uh, 160 people from our church whose offerings were over $4,000 a week prorating our commitment to him uh, over two years, like $750,000. And he lied about it. And our people were angry. And I was upset with my own discernment. How could I believe in somebody that was so narcissistic? I have a time spitting that word out. But I don't want to go into that. That's a negative. But you know what? That doesn't stop us. Just because there's a, a, a rotten apple in the Bushel doesn't mean that uh, the bushel's bad. Get the bad apple out and do the next right thing. The two greatest church plants we ever had followed the heartbreak of that uh, 
uh, uh, church plant that went awry. Uh, we didn't let that stop us. Uh, lessons learned, and I have no bitterness towards that man. He's got to stand in his own shoes before the judgment seat of Christ, and uh, I pray for his soul. Uh, but I'm not going to let him mess me up about God. God gave me commission to plant churches and you win some, you lose some. Some people will bless you. Some people will curse you, but just keep your eyes on Jesus. So that's what I'm trying to say along the way. Things aren't all going to be perfect. You might hear the podcast and say, Oh, brother Duke, he's, he's never had hard times. I just don't tell you about all the hard times. I don't tell you about all, all the heartaches. I don't tell you about all the frustrations. They are there but they're not our master. We let those things drive us to Jesus, not drive us away from Jesus. And so uh, thank you, Lord, for having all that up your sleeve as Joellen and I were just kids, 24 years old, heading east uh, to plant a church in New York. We had no idea, but we believed by faith there would be people there waiting for us that sort of already loved us we met them, and it happened. God became real uh, to them, became more real to us. He met our every need, had these fantastic people uh, waiting for us. What a joy it's been to watch God work in their hearts. I think the list is up to about 60, 67, 68 people that are no longer at Temple Baptist, now church at Newtown Road. Uh, they're no longer there. They're out in the ministry doing the work of God. Got kids from the youth group right now, uh, even though I've not been part of the church much the last few years because I've been on the road. But man, God's still doing today what he did along the way. New crop of young men and women going to Bible college, raising up leaders for the next generation of the church of Jesus Christ. The gates of hell are going to prevail against his church. So David had his men, so did I. And uh, I'm honored by that. And they just motivate me to finish well. So I hope this has been an encouragement to you today. God will put mighty people in your life. But you know what? Why don't you just be one of those mighty men, one of those mighty women? Sell out, lift up the hands of your preacher. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Do the next right thing. See what God's got is up his sleeve for you. So thanks for tuning me in today. God bless. See you next time. Bye-bye for now.